You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Tell the morning and the, the, the weather based on the sky. But he said, oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 24 Jesus begins to discuss some of the signs of the time, so to speak. Uh, I'm continuing in what I've been doing over the last, really, uh, couple of months to where whatever I'm preaching in the morning service, I try to go a little bit deeper in uh, to uh, precede that in Sunday school. And we're going to do that with Matthew 24 today. Uh, Sunday school lesson is called The Signs of the Times. The message later is going to be just uh, on the question, is this the end? Is this the end? And of course, I was uh, really praying about it. I, I don't get my messages from the headlines. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, uh, there's times when I see what's going on in the world and it, uh, it gives the opportunity. Uh, and then I felt led in this particular instance to preach a little bit about wars and rumors of wars is what came to mind as we see, you know, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Um, and so we'll probably we'll speak more about that in the regular service, uh, not that this is an irregular service, but in the morning worship time. But in Matthew 24, I just want to try to give you a start by talking about giving some background here of Matthew 24 when Jesus begins to talk about uh, some of the signs of the time, if you will. And we can answer that question. I don't know about you, but I, I wonder, uh, have you, over the last two years, have any of you been asked or someone try to talk to you about the uh, about this being the end of the world or something to that effect. Does any of you as Christians have had anybody come and talk to you feel like more in the last two years than you had in previous years? Anyone? Uh, yeah, Doria, and I, I, I know several have. I, I know for me, it's just been interesting to me, people that, uh, that, that have never been interested in talking with me at all about spiritual things have come to me and, you know, and said, man, What's going on? Is this the end? You know, is this the end of the world? Is uh, the world, you know, whatever the case may be? Well, Jesus uh, addresses that a little bit in Matthew 24, and his disciples actually asked that same question. But I want, I want to give a big overview of Matthew 24. Uh, well, really not. I don't want to do the overview of the whole chapter just this morning, but I'm going to actually start in the very beginning of Matthew 24, where the Bible says, And Jesus went out, and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, this is a significant verse, Matthew 24, verse 1. That the, phrase, the phraseology and the words that are used here, when he departed from the temple, there is a, it's, it's more than just how you, hopefully it's, it's more than how you will depart church today, okay? Every one of us at some point today will depart church. Uh, but when Jesus departed from the temple, uh, it's carrying the idea that he was done, that he's done with these religious leaders. He's done speaking to these people uh, who refused to hear. And um, in verse 2, the Bible says, well, let me back up. And it says, his disciples came before to show him the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, 
There shall not be one there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be overthrown. And I'm going to pause right there and just talk a little bit about these verses uh, to begin with. Uh, the, the temple that's being talked about here was the temple of Herod the Great. Now, when you think of Herod, if you go back to the Christmas story, uh, what do you remember about Herod? Man, he was evil. He was a brutal dude. But he was really into architecture. <laughs> And he was really artsy guy. He really had a great vision for building and, and design and things of this nature. Um, the former temple, the temple that was rebuilt with Nehemiah and Ezra, had been destroyed sometime before. But Herod is one who, uh, well, he is uh, basically expanding and improving the temple. Uh, and the temple, of course, was the center of Jewish life for almost a thousand years. So much that it was customary to swear by the temple. And you, it's interesting, some customs that you see develop. But the, but the uh, talks about how the Pharisees would talk about swearing by the temple. And speaking against the temple could be considered blasphemy. Um, Josephus, he was an ancient, ancient Jewish historian. He says that for eight whole years... Uh, together, he kept that Herod kept ten thousand men at work uh, on the temple, and that for the magnificence and stateliness, it exceeded Solomon's temple. Now, that was Josephus's opinion. Herod's work, uh, the temple, was huge. It was nearly five hundred yards uh, long and four hundred yards wide. Herod's plan for rebuilding started in nineteen B.C and was only completed in A.D. 63. So it took more than 80 years to complete the temple. The temple was finished, and interestingly enough, it was finished in 63 A.D., and seven years later it was destroyed, after all that work that was put in. But there's some interesting things, I think, even practically, before we get into the prophetic things about it. But I believe it's interesting to lay some foundational work in the chapter before looking at the rest of the chapter. He's talking about the temple. He's leaving the temple. The disciples are saying, Lord, look at this temple. Isn't, isn't it magnificent? And Jesus is saying, man, don't get all caught up on that beautiful temple. He says, this thing's basically going to be destroyed. And literally, he said there, that there will not be uh, left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Uh, so there's interesting things. So about 40 years after Jesus said this, these words that we just read, there was a widespread Jewish, Jewish revolution against the Romans in Palestine, and they enjoyed many early successes. But ultimately, Roman soldiers crushed the rebels. And in A.D. 70, Jerusalem was leveled, including the temple, just as Jesus said it would happen. Uh, another thing, another cool, just little historic background here. Um, when you see and think about the Jewish revolution and the things leading up to this, uh, by this time in Rome, from what I remember, uh, Titus, he wanted to do something pretty magnificent for the Roman people and, of course, for his own name and his own glory. So he built, he had built a very famous monument, maybe one of the most famous monuments in Rome still today, and that's the Colosseum. 
But the way he funded the Colosseum, in large part, was by robbing the Jews and taking things from the Jews. And so the Colosseum uh, is actually kind of the background a little bit for part of the destruction, the, the revolt of the Jews and the destruction of the temple. Uh, someone, some History says that Titus didn't intend to destroy the temple because he thought it would be, could be preserved as a wonder of the world. But it said, uh, again, this isn't Bible, but some history says that the, that many Jews ran inside the temple when they saw that they had lost hope because they thought it was a good sound structure and then that the Roman uh, soldiers decided to burn the temple with the people inside. As the temple burned with a fervent heat, the gold uh, melted down into the stones. And so after the temple was burned, they come back later and lit quite literally, these Roman soldiers had no idea about this, by the way, they came in and began to turn those stones over and move those stones and destroy the temple till it was nothing. Why? Because they were trying to get the gold out between the stones. And so quite literally, there was not one stone left upon another that wasn't overturned. So Jesus spoke very specifically about this prophecy, and it, it came to pass quite literally. Now, one of, the, one of the interesting things to point out also about this foundation that I'm trying to lay to you, what Jesus said here, is that his prophecy about the destruction of the temple was a literal prophecy. I mean, it, came, it happened word for word. So what that does is it lays the foundation for the remainder of Matthew 24 and lets us know that the prophecies in Matthew 24 are also literal prophecies, things that are going to happen. So that's important. And so let's, uh, let's continue as we uh, look at these verses. Now, verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and by the way, this is called the Olivet Discourse, uh, because he's on the Mount of Olives. So that they left the area of the temple, went up to the Mount of Olives, and you can still look down and see the temple from where they're sitting. And the Bible says that his disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? So there's the question, and then that's the, the, the title of the message at 11 o'clock is going to be, Is this the end of the world? I don't want to give you any spoiler alerts, but I better give you some spoiler alerts, right? Uh, most of you understand and know that, um, that the signs that Jesus begins to give here are just saying everything that we're going to read about here, wars and rumors of wars, the pestilence, the many things. Uh, I, I'm just hastening to say all this. He said that these things are going to increase to a, uh, a shocking level as it gets closer to his return. But none of these things in particular that he's given as far as the, the, I've titled the Sunday School Lesson, Signs of the Times, these signs that he's given in, in particular, at least the ones in the early part of the chapter, are not signs to where you see, oh my goodness, there's wars and rumors of wars. This must be the day that Jesus is coming. Uh, that's not what the Bible is teaching here. Uh, I'll, I'll hasten to say that. Uh, and let me, let me also say this. What shall the, what shall the, uh, the signs be, they say, or what, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Uh, uh, one really, really important thing that we need to understand also and establish here at the very beginning, when the disciples are asking about his coming, 
And much of the Bible, when it speaks about the second coming of Christ, to uh, what, what would be a good explanation of the second coming of Christ as what's being asked about here and what's being talked about primarily throughout prophecy? The millennial reign, all right? Uh, somebody expound on that further. Tell me some of the details. Jesus' second coming, Kurt says the millennial reign, and that's exactly what follows and his second coming is going to start that. So the emphasis I'm trying to make is for us in the church age, I think most of us, when we think about the second coming, for most of us, the very first thing that comes to our mind is what? The rapture of the church. Uh, and so we, re, and, and we, and, and really you could, some people just say, well, it's the same, it's, you can use the terminology of the second coming because that's just the first phase of the second coming. I, uh, whatever, but in, 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 in literal terms, the second coming of the Lord is a reference to Jesus actually fulfilling the remainder of the prophecies that we talk about so often around Christmas, how that unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and that he will literally come and reign on this earth. Uh, we're going through the Old Testament right now, and we're not, you know, if you're, if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you aren't getting into uh, a whole lot of prophetic sections right now. There's prophetic uh, allusions and stuff through there. But when you begin to get to the prophets, there is a lot of prophecy in there. And much of it refers to the time that is yet to come. Uh, and some of it refers to time that has already happened. And I just got to say, when I think about prophecy today, and I'm not trying to do a, a big expo a, a prophes prophe prophet prophetic whew, uh, exposition today, but just speaking in terms of prophecy, man, the Bible, one of the things that really sets the Bible apart is the fact that it's prophetic nature. The Bible really is a book of prophecy, which is to say that it, uh, it, it boldly, God boldly, since He is God and He knows what's going to happen, He tells us what's going to happen. Now, He doesn't tell us every detail of what's going to happen, but He gives us a big picture and a timeline. Uh, the world kind of thinks everything's cyclical, right? The world thinks that everything just goes around and around. And we, see, we do see things, you know, coming around. But I'm telling you, if, 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 it's, if there's, there is a cyclical nature to the world and events and so forth, but I'm telling you, it's not just going round and round. If it is, it's round and round toward an ending because t time is progressing. And the Lord's coming really is. Isn't it wonderful I can say this boldly? You and I both can say this boldly. That the Lord Jesus, His return is nearer today than it's ever been. Right? Uh, and now we could have said that yesterday. We could have said that before COVID. We could have said that before Russia. We could have said that all. But because at that time it was near. We don't know when the Lord's coming exactly is going to be. But what I believe as we look at the Scripture is that we see some things that ought to get our attention and ought to get us thinking about the coming of the Lord. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to show this verse to you before I get too far. Look at uh, verse number 36 of Matthew 24. We'll skip around here a little bit. Verse number 36 of Matthew 24. The Bible says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. And I just want to emphasize that greatly. Of that day and hour knoweth no man. Now, since I've been alive, 
And I know since uh, some of you, even some of the, I think actually since everybody in here has been alive, because it, it was just a few years ago that this happened again. There's somebody, and, and, and since I've been alive, there's been several people along the way, and I'm talking about now some of them are just out and out total kooks, um, but there's others that for the most part are actually, you know, if, if you were to hear them preach and teach, you would agree with much of what they had to say. There's some of these guys along the way that all of a sudden get this wild hair and they say, Jesus Christ is coming back March 1st, 2022. I can imagine somebody stealing that clip and just putting that out there on me, man. Um, Jesus Christ is coming back on March 1st, 2022. And it's, it's always amazed me, by the way, and I and, and, and forgive me if there's a couple things that I say again in the next, uh, in, in, at the 11 o'clock service, but I was thinking about, uh, one of the, I remember this happened like when I was a teenager. There was some, some guy that, their, their group, Jesus is coming again today, uh, and they sold all of their possessions. Does that strike you funny? If I really believed Jesus was coming today, why would I sell my possessions? Why wouldn't I just give them away? What am I going to do with the money? <laughs> you know, and they probably sold their possessions and gave it to the dude that said Jesus was coming today. Um, but, folks, uh, there's a lot of deceivers out there, but Jesus said very clearly, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. And there's something else I'll say here, too, that's really important. One of the things that a lot of people get concerned about, and, again, it's, it's, studying prophecy is great. And that's one of the reasons Jesus actually is trying to, Jesus has given us Matthew 24 so that we can have a little bit of understanding for us. So in other words, as God's people, when we see COVID hit and when we see, you know, these aggressive uh, measures in our country, you know, of, uh, of seemingly, not seemingly, but, but, but trying to take away people's liberties and try to, uh, you know, force things upon us, try to take away the, uh, what, what we were founded on as a country. When, when these things happen and when Russia invades Ukraine, when whatever it is in the world is going on, when, you know, when, they're, when they're trying to force people to wear masks or force people to take uh, you know, a, a vaccine. Listen, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. But the idea of forcing someone to do that is, is, is just wrong. But regardless of that, the point is, a lot of times we look at these things and we've got the Bible as a guide so that when these things happen, we don't freak out. And Because if, if you know the Bible and if you know prophecy, one of the things that you, listen, one of the things you never have to be concerned with, if you are saved by the grace of God, you cannot be concerned with receiving the mark of the beast. Accidentally or otherwise. There are people out there that have been concerned and that, that have even taught and preached that if you take the vaccine, man, they've got this, you know, there's a certain code in there and there's a certain blah, blah, and it's the mark of the beast. That's foolish. And it's not biblical. You can't, uh, number one, one of the reasons I know that you cannot take uh, accidentally or otherwise the mark of the beast is that the mark of the beast will not be here until after the rapture of the church. And I'll say more about that. I don't want to assume everybody knows the rapture of the church, even though many of you do. Uh, but, 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 but after the rapture of the church, it's sometime after that is when the mark of the beast will be introduced. Now, could we see these things 
easily being precursors. Getting people used to, hey, you do this. I mean, you know, you think about it because the, what the Bible says about the mark of the beast is that you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without the mark of the beast. Uh, again, there are some people that have been threatened about buy, buy selling, and trading uh, if they don't get the vaccine, right? Or if you don't do this thing that the government says. And it's almost like, well, we'll, we'll just go along to get along. What's the big deal? None of these things are the mark of the beast. Uh, but I believe that they are a conditioning to the world. Uh, by the way, who, who's the people that get blamed the most uh, for fighting government regulations a lot of times? Whether it be masks or vaccines or, or gathering together in groups. Uh, what, are the, what are the people that get blamed the most for fighting about this stuff? Christians are at the top of the list, aren't we? Those crazy Christian people, you know, those nuts. They're, they're trying to kill us all. <laughs> by, by not driving around with masks on, you know. Uh, they're going to they're gonna destroy the world. Um, and so, uh, so we, we get blamed for that a whole lot of times because, but, but what you'll see is there's, a, there's this conditioning, there's this idea of do what we say uh, or there will be consequences, whether it makes good sense or not. Uh, but the point that I'm definitely trying to make is Rush, wars and rumors of wars, that does not mean, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming right now. Um, and the people trying to force you to take, you know, be injected or stuck or poked or whatever they call it, uh, is not the mark of the beast. Not. Uh, is Jesus coming again today? Very likely, amen? But we can't say that for sure. We, we, we ought to live every day. I say very likely, and maybe you got a little pause from that. We ought to live every day of our lives as if Jesus would come today. Because you know what? He may come today. Um, the, one of the key, key things, and again, uh, we say this a lot, is also found in Matthew 24. And I'm, here I am, you know, all over the place. I'm not in my notes right now. But what, what, a couple of the key signs of Matthew 24 the ones that we're going to read about in a moment uh, are not necessarily the key signs that the Lord is about to come. Two of the real key signs in Matthew 24 is about, one is about the fig tree. Verse 32, the Bible says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender... And putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise know you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So one key sign is the sign of the fig tree. Another key sign is the sign of the abomination of desolation. And... Um, We'll point that out in a moment. Again, I'm kinda, I've got away from my notes here. So if anybody, Doria might be able to show me that verse, Abomination of Desolation, right here in Matthew 24. But while, while, while you find that verse about the Abomination of Desolation, I just want to say a quick word about the, okay, verse 15. Okay, well, let's go, go ahead and read it then, Doria. All right, so these are two of the key prophecies 
uh, about, the coming, about the coming of the Lord. Because again, one thing's for sure, wars and rumors of wars, I'll, I'll say more about that later, but it's not, how, how long have there been wars and rumors of wars? How long have there been pestilences? How long has there been, uh, you know, you, you, what's some of the other things? Uh, pestilence, uh, uh, famine, war, these things. Oh, how long have people been coming? How long have deceivers been around? You know, I mean, right away. I mean, all, all the time, actually. But, I mean, it, 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 we talk about it sometimes on Wednesday nights. You don't come on Wednesdays. Come on Wednesdays if you can, 7 o'clock. We have a great uh, time of Bible study. But when we're, we've been studying the epistles over the last several years, and in studying the epistles, one of the things you find out is that these very early churches were constantly attacked by deceivers. There's a lot of deceivers out there. That's why it's really, really important for you to be in your Bible and to know your Bible. And you can know your Bible. Uh, and you can learn it. And you can... Uh, I, it's, it, when it comes to deception and deceivers, I enjoy studying about other beliefs and stuff like that i like learning about some of that stuff but i don't spend too much time on that and i don't encourage you to spend too much time on that i would encourage you to spend more time studying the word of god studying the truth therefore you can recognize error when you hear it when you see it matter of fact the more you study the word of god and know the truth man have you ever done this before? I, I did this, me and Mel, and I can, I can remember right where we were at. We were just south of Charlotte, heading to South Carolina. I was going to be preaching in a conference uh, down in uh, uh, St. Stephen's. And, and as I was heading down that way, I just had, just going through the radio, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and I do that. Anybody else do that? Isn't it funny? We live in a day now to where you just listen to, to podcasts and stuff straight from your phone onto your, so you don't scroll radio. A lot of people don't scroll radio stations, but I, I still do that a lot. And, it just, and I came on, it's like, hmm, I could hear there was a preacher on. And his, his style caught my attention. His delivery caught my attention. I'm like, oh, this dude sounds kind of fired up. Uh, and what he was saying was like, yeah. But it, well, I wasn't listening to him but just a couple minutes to where there's just something what didn't ring right. Something didn't ring true. Something, there was something just off. I, I, and I listened, and I listened, and I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's right, and that's good. And I agreed with so much of what this guy was saying, but there was just something off. And it got down to the end of the radio station, and it was a Seventh-day Adventist. And, 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 and there was just a couple phrases, maybe, or something, but what he was saying, it just didn't quite look like the genuine article. It didn't sound quite like the genuine article. There's a lot of deceivers out there. But the more we study the Word of God, the more we can recognize the deceivers and the deceitfulness out there. Uh, a lot of deceivers. So these things have been around forever. Now, that doesn't mean that we dismiss what Jesus said. He said what He said for a reason. What He's saying there, He's saying there's going to be an increase of these things. And there has been an increase uh, in, these, uh, in these areas. Uh, there's been a noticeable increase in these areas. Every one of these areas, as far as the, war, the wars and rumors of wars, uh, the pestilence, earthquakes. I got some interesting numbers on earthquakes I'll, I'll share later, Lord willing. But, but, but two of the signs that really, really stand out, because although they've increased, they could increase some more, right? The intensity could... So, so you don't just look at that and say, that's it, Jesus, as it was in the days of Noah. By the way, how was it in the days of Noah? I, Nathan just, he didn't say a thing, but Nathan just did this. What were you saying, Nathan? 
Oh. <laughs> I, you know what I literally thought he was saying? I thought he was saying this. I should have just went with this. We don't care. Yeah, I mean, because the Bible says they went on marrying, giving in marriage. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just they, they continued on. Noah was preaching. Judgment's coming. Okie dokie then. We're going to keep living our lives. We're going to keep, we're going to keep doing normal, normal everyday things. We don't care. Uh, how, many, how many people got up on, I just thought about this on my way to church today. As I was coming, there's just, 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 a, just a, fe- a fella I know. It's not, it's just, I just happened to notice and it just, it just made me think. And, and I saw him and, uh, and, and he was leaving and he, he, it looked like he was leaving to head off to do some work. He had a trailer attached and everything. But, it, but it's, it was late, it was after nine, so it's, it's late, you know, probably any other day of the week probably would have, but hey, it's Sunday, so what is Sundays for? That's a day off, man. That's the day to sleep in, day to go fishing, day to go hunting, right? I mean, how many people, how many people does it even cross their mind that the whole reason Sunday is a day off so that you can go worship? And I know in many cases, Sundays aren't days off anymore. But there's still, in our society, in the big scheme of things, Sunday is still thought of, generally, as a day off. But what's it for? Oh, it's for a tournament. It's for fishing. It's for sleeping in. No, it's for worship. This is the day that Jesus rose again on the first day of the week. We gather to worship. But my point is just simply this. Uh, how many people even think about that today? Now, I wanna, you wanna, you, <laughs> let me say this very, very quickly. I don't, I don't think badly for that fella for heading off to work today and not thinking about church. You know, a lot of times, I, I, I think about this a lot. I had not been able to preach it yet, uh, but I really want to preach it. We like preaching, and I like preaching about the wickedness and the things that's going on in this world and pointing these things out and highlighting these things and, and calling these things out. But you know what the Bible says? We well, you know what Peter said in his epistles. He said that the time is now here, and, and this has been this way since the beginning of time. He said, judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. The fact that people aren't thinking about God today, not really their fault. It's God's people's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the church that's dropped the ball. And so the, the problem with society today I, I thought about this. Anybody here uh, about the, uh, the, the, the school? I can't remember where it was at now, but somewhere in America. Uh, they had this, the satanic club that they were starting after school. People are all outraged over the satanic club, but, and, and I'm outraged over the satanic club. And, and can I just add one little thing right there, too? You say, where's Matthew 24? I, I'm in there somewhere, okay? I'm still hovering, but... Um, but Free speech, right? Isn't it funny when they want to pick free speech? Now, now, well, we we can't. The school the school district the school board said we can't stop them from having a satanic club. And you're like, well, I guess that's right because we do believe in freedom of speech and everything, right? But what would we feel if somebody decided they're going to have a Ku Klux Klan club after school? Would that same school board say, oh, well, freedom of speech? You know, we can't. Uh, I mean, freedom of speech isn't meant to be hurtful. I mean, freedom of speech isn't meant for destruction, right? But, but regardless of that, the first thing that comes to my mind is, where's the churches? 
You know what? And, and listen, it, it might not always, it, you, you may think, oh, well, churches can't get into schools. That's not true. That's not true. Um, they can get into schools. Why aren't churches get, why don't churches get into schools? Why don't Christians get into schools? Um, why don't we affect society? Um, so I'm saying all that just to say that the world's a mess. But, and, and now, that doesn't mean that I'm pointing fingers with anybody in here today that there's a, a neighbor that went off to work today without thinking about church. Uh, I'm saying the church as a whole, I'm, think, I'm saying the church over the last hundred years or so, we can't do anything about that. Even if there is something that's our fault uh, about yesterday or today, we can't do anything about that either. But we can do something about it going forward. We can do something about it going forward. Um, so the, the, Jesus speaks about the signs of the times. I have no idea what this has to do with the fig tree or the abomination of desolation. So I'm just going to stop right where I'm at and get back to where I was. Amen. I'll go back. I, I was going to say I'll go back and listen to this and figure it out, but I probably won't because uh, I do not want to hear it. Uh, I don't want to hear what happened. But, um, but basically, these are the two prophecies. I think I was just talking about the wickedness increasing in the world. But the, the two prophecies that are, that are really, really key is the one about the fig tree because that speaks about the nation of Israel. That had to, that had to be the case in prophecy. And God knew all about it. Um, I'm going to mention this again later. But did you know that God prophesied through Ezekiel that Russia was going to be a key player in the last days? He prophesied a specific battle to where Russia, Gog of Magog, he mentioned the chief city of Gog and Magog. He, he mentioned the chief city being Meshach, which is modern-day Moscow. He mentioned that, by the way, 2,500 years ago. What do you think Russia would have looked like if you went to it 2,500 years ago? It wouldn't have looked like a place to where you say, oh, yeah, this place is going to cause problems around the world in a few years it's just it wouldn't have been that at all but god of course saw what it was going to be he prophesied about russia prophesied about moscow in particular uh in ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 but here's one of the things at this time god was god already knew and god already prophesied about the dispersion of israel throughout the world and that's what happened with the nation of israel if you don't no, the nation of Israel was dispersed around the world because of their disobedience. Persecution was brought on them because they refused to worship God and God alone, and they refused to fulfill their duty. What's wrong with the Gentile nations? Israel didn't do their job. The, the parallels are amazing, aren't they? Israel, instead of being a light and making a difference in their world, they decided they would worship the gods of the Gentiles. Now, 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 it's okay, though, because they put those idols, they're still worshiping Jehovah, but they put, in the temple, they literally had Jehovah. Wonderful. And, and yeah, they had the, the, the idols of the other gods that they worshiped as well, but we're still worshiping God. That's not how it works, is it? I mean, it's God and God alone, people. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of idolatry in our lives and in the Christian church today still. There's not too many of us or any of us that are probably bowing down before images, but there's still a lot of idolatry in our hearts, things that we put before God, uh, times that we, we try to worship God and Jehovah, but at the same time, we're, we, we, uh, we, we're putting more time and investment and devotion and passion into other things uh, that aren't 
pleasing to God, and God's not first and foremost in our lives. So Israel failed in this. They were dispersed around the earth, but here's the, thing, the point that I'm trying to make is simply this. God said in the time to come that Russia, along with some other Arab nations, was going to invade Israel. Well, here's the thing. Israel had to be there. There had to be a reason. God's people were going to have to be there. They were going to have to be a nation in order for that to happen. They're going to have to be a nation for the temple to be built. And by the way, they had, that right, now, uh, right now, as we speak, uh, I believe it's the Temple Mount Society. I may not have called that just right. But right now, as we speak, uh, they have every single thing they need to begin the building of the temple. And to begin, uh, and, and they're also prepared for temple worship again right now. Now we know, somebody's sitting there asking, well, why don't they just do it? Why don't, why don't they just go ahead and rebuild the temple? That's right, Dome of the Rock. Because a, a big section of that uh, belongs to the Muslim, b- b- belongs to the Arab world, and they're not interested in giving that up so the Jews can rebuild their temple. Uh, there's an interesting thing too, isn't it? On that, on, on the on the wall on that side that the uh, where the Arabs uh, own on the eastern gate, they brick that sucker up. Isn't that amazing. Uh, they they bricked up the entrance into the eastern gate. You know why? Because the Bible said Jesus was coming through that eastern gate. And they put a graveyard out there, too, uh, you know, to try to make sure that a priest couldn't go across the graveyard to come into the eastern gate and so forth. It's interesting, the things that, that go on. But the fig tree is a key prophecy. That's a prophecy that we have seen fulfilled. You'll hear a lot of talk about that. But again, remember, that's not necessarily, the, that's not necessarily a prophecy for the rapture, but for the second coming. Then another one is the abomination of desolation, which... Daniel spoke about and that is when the temple is rebuilt now remember Jesus is telling his disciples in this chapter that temple you're looking at is going to be destroyed but then he goes on to say but there's coming a time when what we gather and I'll just give it to you briefly since we can't go through the whole thing right now but that the Antichrist is going to stand in the temple declaring himself to be God and 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 demanding to be worshipped as God, perhaps offering a uh, you know an unacceptable sacrifice, but the Antichrist is going to be is going to stand in the temple. Well, the temple has to be rebuilt for that to happen. So those are two of the key prophecies that, if you will, are more pertinent. I suppose you could say. Uh, you know what, I'm going to pause right there just for a moment and because uh, I've said a whole lot of stuff. Are there any questions or comments about what I just rambled on about? Kurt? The fig tree, yes. Yes. 1948? Are you talking about the blooming of the fig tree? Yeah, I don't know. Do you know? 67. Seven-day war. Okay, yeah. Yep. Right. That's a, that, that's a great point. Okay, so and I'll repeat that uh, just for everybody if you didn't hear that. 
Kurt was asking about the blooming of the fig tree. The fig tree being planted in 1948, blooming in 1967, uh, you could say, you know, or, or we could presume that, um, which again is an awesome thing. It, it's, it's crazy when you think about the events. You ever thought about the events that, that led up to Israel becoming a nation again? It was a hard time for Israel in order for them to become a nation. And, and, and in, in, in the providence of God, listen, the world, we, we know what Hitler did with the Jews. We know what Stalin did with the Jews uh, and others. But you know the world didn't want anything to do with the Jews. It's like they wanted them out of their country, out of their nation. And at that time, through a course of providential events, uh, the, the land of Israel, the land of Palestine, was under British control. And it was like, you know what? We'll put them there. We'll send them there. 1948 established and recognized as a nation. But uh, as Kurt said, uh, during the Seven Days War, 1967, is when they were established uh, as a nation, if you will. And then just a couple years ago, Jerusalem was recognized uh, finally by uh, Donald Trump to be you know, when we moved our embassy to Jerusalem was a key thing as well. By the way, uh, did you know that every, every president since, and maybe somebody can help me here, but I know at least over the last four or five presidents all promised, Democrat, Republican, didn't matter, they all promised that they would move the U.S. embassy uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, every one of them. Uh, and Trump was the first one to do it. And... Uh, that's one thing that I, that I thought was the coolest thing because he said, okay, I said I was going to do this. Why has it been so hard for the other ones to do it? What has to happen? What's the process? You know what it was? You just got to sign this piece of paper right here, basically. In order to keep your promise, just sign this paper, basically, and it will be moved. And that's exactly what happened. Um, but, okay, so that's, that's a good point and uh, clarification. Uh, anything else? Uh, questions, comments, concerns? Clarification, Doria? And I'll repeat that. Uh, Doria said, as a country, we gave more haven as a, as a country to SS officers than we did to the Jewish people. Uh, and uh, that's pretty interesting as well. Uh, any other any other questions, comments, concerns? I'm way off here. I gotta find I gotta find a place to pick back up here, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see. What'll happen? That will not happen. Matt, until after Christ enters, I believe. Dory, is that correct? Okay, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll let Kurt jump in, then I'll say it again, Dory. That's right, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically Matt was asking, you know, about the graveyard that, uh, that they started outside of the Eastern Gate or whatever. When is the resurrection of the dead? Of course, uh, as Matt said, at the rapture of the church, 
and, and that's just simply, the word rapture is not in the Bible, uh, but it just simply means call, calling away. Uh, and and there's, there are synonyms for rapture in the Bible, uh, but just the term rapture has been popularized over the last couple of generations. But that's the calling forth. Anybody who's died in Christ, their body will be raised, uh, resurrected at the rapture, uh, which is, could happen any moment. But if there's unsaved people in that graveyard, Matt, it would be a thousand years before they were uh, resurrected. Um, okay. So, yeah, yeah, go, Ronnie. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I can't speak to a lot of that. And uh, and then I'm and I I won't sp I can't speak to some of it and I won't speak to a lot of it but just I mean it's a great question but just to, it, it, I could just say and the question was about you know that I'm that I'm going to answer at this moment is about why did he want to invade uh, Ukraine to start with uh, help me there but was that not a part of the former Soviet Union yeah so that that I think is at the heart of it Ronnie you know I mean Putin is a former KGB I mean he is a He's a USSR guy. He's a Soviet guy. And to him, you know, and it's crazy because he's been doing stuff like this for a while. Uh, I mean, there's other places that he's, and, and sections of other countries that they have taken over. Uh, but I believe mainly he believes that country belongs to Russia. They, they don't have a right to be independent would be maybe uh, one answer to that. Yeah, Kurt? Okay, so so it's it's a it's a huge landmass and uh, natural resources as well. But outside of that, Ronnie, I don't know a whole lot about some of those things. But um, so, uh, but uh, anything else? And and I could uh, and somebody might be able to have a better discussion with Ronnie about that than me, Doria. That's right. Yep. Yes. That's absolutely, that's a great, great point. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, so, 
Uh, and, and I'll repeat that as well if you didn't get it. The abomination of desolation, and uh, I did not do the job that I was trying to do on Matthew 24, but I believe the Lord's in it regardless. But, uh, but, but she's right. The abomination of desolation, Jesus said, when you see that, he, he says, when you see that, you better get out of town because it's about to start. And that'll take place at the, at the midway point. I mean, these numbers are in Daniel. You can read uh, because that's what Jesus actually says when you see the abomination of desolation as spoken by Daniel the prophet. Um, yeah, you better run because the persecution, uh, he's going to start killing Jews. He's going to start killing the nation of Israel, um, persecuting them. But God's going to supernaturally protect them, and this is going to be one of the things that's going to lead to them um, turning at last back to Christ. Uh, and, and, and the picture is awesome too, by the way. Uh, well, maybe, let me give you this part, too, because it goes along with what Dory said. Then maybe I'll have just a moment to give you a cool picture out of the Old Testament. Um, if you know anything about Matthew 24, you know there's, there is a lot of confusion about Matthew 24. And I'll just say that Matthew 24 can sometimes be confusing when you first read it. Um, and, and for, but the thing I always believe is that if I ever have a problem when I'm reading the Word of God, the problem's not with the Word of God, the problem's with me. But there is something really important that I want to point out as far as how to study Matthew 24. Uh, Doria brought this up, so it's, this needs to be said. Verses 4 through 14 are primarily dealing with the Gentile nations. Verses 4 through 14. Um, of Matthew 24. Now, it's, it's, it's to everyone in a sense, but you can see the emphasis to the Gentile nations. As a matter of fact, it ends with verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Uh, uh, I just got to say, I'm going to re- make a real quick statement on that verse. There's a lot of people that are otherwise sound in the scripture but literally believe that, in, that until the church does that, Jesus will not come. That's not what it's saying here. There's li- it, when it says the gospel is going to be preached everywhere to all people, that's going to, remember, the second coming is the return of the Lord to this earth. And that's, this is going to happen when the angel, if no other time, when the angel in the book of Revelation, there's going to be an angel that literally flies through the air and preaches the gospel around the world. Um, but anyway, I'm going to hasten from there. Verses 15 to 31, you could see an emphasis on the Jews. So there's more of an emphasis on the Gentile nations, 1 through 14. 15 to 31, there's more of an emphasis on the Jews. And then the remainder of that, there'd be more of an emphasis on the church. Uh, that's important to understand because... Uh, What's the huge C word when studying the Bible? What's the huge C word that you always got to ask? What is the context? Always context. What's the context? I was joking around earlier about when I said someone may say Jesus is coming back or that Jesus is coming back March 1st, 2022. And I said, what if somebody just took that little clip of me and played it? Uh, Well, that would be out of context, wouldn't it? So when we study the Bible, we always got to understand the context. A big part of understanding context is we, well, context is uh, a couple of things, and one of them is, who's it speaking to? Who's it speaking to? 
There's times that people will take something that spoke to the nation of Israel and, say, and interpret it as it being spoken to us as the church or to Gentiles, and it's not. Uh, context, you've got to understand who it's talking to. So it's, it's, it's important to understand that. It's important to understand who it's talking to, when is it talking about. And so with this division of Matthew 24, sometimes comes the confusion because he talks about and I believe alludes to the church and the rapture toward the end of the chapter. But he's doing this because his, his sermon, on the, not the Sermon on the Mount, but his Olivet Discourse is kind of a topical sermon. He says, okay, here's the first topic, Gentiles. Bam, 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 here's what we deal with them. Jews, you've got to deal with the abomination of desolation and all these things. Church, here's what your approach should be. So if you think about it in, not that it's in chronological order, but that it's divided, uh, talking about kind of to three different uh, emphasis or three different peoples, if you will, uh, it could help alleviate some of the, because uh, I feel like some of the biggest struggles, there's a lot that comes out of Matthew 24 with people, but I think the biggest honest struggles out of Matthew 24 is just the, chronolog the chronological nature of it when you read it as if these events are taking place in order, and really he gives the order to the Gentile nations, the order to the Jews, then the order to the uh, church. So that's an important thing I wanted to say before we ended. Um, so hopefully you got some kind of idea, and if hopefully if nothing else, I hope that your appetite has been uh, whetted, so to speak, to... Maybe study Matthew 24 a little bit more, get a better understanding of it, ask questions, uh, learn something, uh, challenge yourself, challenge me, challenge somebody else. If you have any questions about Bible prophecy, ask Doria, all right? Um, and uh, no, we, we both, but go ahead, uh, Jen. Mm-hmm. Not at all, because you're, because you're a part of the church. Yep, because the the church is Jews and Gentiles, and when you when you're saved, you you don't lose your identity. But as far as religion, you're no longer because the Jews in this regard. It's thinking more of the people that have not yet turned to Christ, the, 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 the country, the nation, the people that have not yet turned to Christ. And so there's really, uh, yeah, there's no difference between, there's no difference between somebody that's 100% that's Jewish versus somebody that does have one ounce of Jewish blood in them when it comes to, when you're in the church, you're a part of the church now. So yeah, that, but that's, that's a great question. There, yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's like a, that it's, and, and, and you could study this in Daniel, and then Revelation talks about it, Zechariah talks about it, but, uh, yeah, it is literally, yeah, fly, you fools, it's, get out of here. Uh, every man for himself, kind of, it's like, go now. Um, 
And it is believed that, they'll, that many will go to Jordan uh, to, Pet- to the city of Petra, uh, as, uh, as what many, many believe that that's where they'll, uh, that they will flee to that general area. But there's some great, great stuff around that. And maybe we'll address some of this more as days go by. But I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew 24 today on Is This the End? Um, and so I just kind of wanted to try to give some sort of background about Matthew 24 and then ramble on about a bunch of other stuff in the meantime. Amen. All right. Well, you're dismissed. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll get started back at 11. <laughs>